Welcome back. DFMI, Digital Financial Market Infrastructure. If you haven't heard about it yet, you will. And today, you're in for a real treat. With me on today's episode are some of the world's leading experts on DFMI and the future of financial markets. And I don't say that lightly. You may have heard about the landmark launch by Euroclear of its Digital Financial Market Infrastructure, DFMI which enables the creation, issuance, and settlement of fully digital international securities. This represents the first distributed ledger technology deployment within an EU-established central securities depository capable of supporting securities governed by English law. With me today are Stephanie Leroux, the head of digital asset practice at Euroclear, and Bart Garret, senior legal counsel and head of the Innovation Center of Excellence at Euroclear Legal, as well as my esteemed colleagues in the UK, Michael Voisin, partner and former head of global capital markets at Linklaters, and of course, Richard Hay, fintech partner and UK head of fintech. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. So just for those who may be out there who may be unfamiliar with Euroclear, Stephanie, would you please be able to tell us a little bit about Euroclear? Uh, Euroclear is a financial market infrastructure. We are headquartered in Brussels and we are taking care of the settlement and custody of securities. We have several roles. Uh, we have also a role to provide access to the markets, which is more role of investor CSDs, which is important in the context of digital assets. And we will probably discuss about that later. So today we have under custody for our clients the equivalent of 40 trillion of dollars. And we are settling each month the equivalent of the world GDP. So it's uh, massive infrastructures. We are uh, trusted, we are regulated, and we are sitting in the middle of the capital market for the post trade. Wow. So for those watching or listening at home, Euroclear is big and Euroclear is important. So everyone, what has been the reaction in the market to the launch of the DFMI? So the market reaction has been very good uh, and from different directions. I think it has had a lot of echo worldwide. Uh, we can see that uh, what we have built is a very unique value proposition. And, uh, and I'm sure we will come back to, to, to that in details, but a very good reaction from uh, our market participants and, and partners in general. Yeah, and, and I mean, just, to, just to add to that, I think from, from our perspective, we've absolutely seen that. We've been inundated with, with requests um, and interest from our clients, from regulators, from stakeholders internationally across lots of different different jurisdictions and everybody really trying to understand just how Euroclear has achieved this and, and, um, and a bit more detail about the, the, the structure of the offering, um, which no doubt we'll get into during this discussion. Okay, so Stephanie, why did Euroclear decide to launch DFMI and why now? So in fact, it all started two years ago. And uh, two years ago, we, we, we were looking at what was happening in the market and, and we're thinking there is a momentum in the market. And it's still true today. But at the time we did this analysis and decided to build our DFMI, uh, first we, we saw that the market was transforming across the value chain on all uh, categories, all asset classes and across geographies. We could see as well that central banks were looking very uh, much into CBDC, central bank digital currencies. 
uh, at the time, I think it was around 70% of uh, G20 countries uh, building or invest exploring CBDCs, and it's even more today. And then uh, on the regulatory side, and I think that probably that's the first time in the world regulators are putting in place uh, some regulatory sandbox to enable market participants and new players to explore experiments uh, on uh, DLT, digital asset securities, uh, letting or enabling new uh, company uh, providing settlement services, for example, for digital securities. So there was really this kind of market uh, regulatory and central banks uh, momentum in the market. And we decided that as a CSD, a major player in, in securities, we needed to understand the impact and, and be able to work with our clients and help them embrace this, uh, this, new, this new digital revolution. So we started two years ago and we were uh, lucky enough to have the avail availability of the lessons learned in the markets. You may have heard that some other players have started earlier and some of them have built uh, the full value chain from trading to settlement and still uh, there is a lack of liquidity for digital asset securities. So we can see that in terms of market adoption, market readiness, we are still not there. And this is uh, one uh, very key lessons learned that we, we had in mind when we designed and built our DFMI. And, uh, today we have put in production so uh, our, our, our new platform, our DLT platform, which is there for a very limited scope. Uh, this is why we are calling it an MVP. Uh, it's, uh, it's for the issuance uh, and the primary distribution of uh, euro bonds in a digital form or from digital asset securities. Um, and then we have it built it in a hybrid way. So it is interoperable with our legacy system, but I don't like the terminology legacy. I would say traditional system because legacy is not a very good one. So traditional system. And uh, that way we enable all investors to seamlessly invest in a digital asset securities. Thanks, Stephanie. And staying with you for a moment, what do you regard as the most noteworthy features of the DFMI? So what is very important and very uh, in the approach that we took for the DFMI is, is uh, what we call the hybrid approach. And that was not the case when we are looking back into what happened in the market and the other initiatives. At the beginning, uh, the, the participants and the, the, the fintechs building on the digital asset securities tokenization platform uh, were looking to build in end-to-end, -end, having a full token, a tokenization workflow, which is good in a sense. This is a way to unlock value to have really the full value chain into the, into the blockchain, but it is uh, creating another kind of uh, issue, which is what is called in the market chicken and egg, or the problem of liquidity uh, for digital asset securities. So we decided to go another way and uh, really to, to, to address this problem of liquidity and engaging with the markets and with our participants, we understood that uh, the issuer ecosystem was really ready to embrace uh, blockchain and digital assets, trying to understand what it means for them to uh, issue uh, as a digital secur asset securities to the risks, the compliance, the governance and the benefits. Uh, whereas the investors uh, ecosystem uh, wanted to wait to have a, a significant offering. So we, we decided to build our DFMI in a hybrid way, having the issuer ecosystem around the DLT and the DLT network and keeping all the investors ecosystem into the traditional system. And that way we can work with our participants and, and, and the issuer of markets 
to issue digitally and not compromising the liquidity and providing access to any kind of services, regular service uh, of Euroclear for, for digital bonds. So that's really a very specific key feature and unique value proposition of, of the FMI. Maybe just to, just to answer that, I think it's, it's, it, it's been really interesting to observe sort of um, the approach taken by, by Euroclear, which is really to address the, the liquidity paradox that exists in tokenization. So many tokenization projects that, that sort of start life as attempts to increase the liquidity profile of the tokenized asset have actually resulted in, in this paradox, which is a decrease in liquidity because existing liquidity is really tied up in, in existing custody chains. And so I think from, from what, what was really interesting to observe from, from Euroclear's uh, stance is exactly the point that, that Stephanie's just made around actually integrating the tokenization technology with the existing liquidity that is in the existing custody chains has, has sort of unlocked liquidity for the tokenized and, and digital bond markets. It sounds like a really elegant solution, especially just thinking for a moment about, say, the crypto markets, right? Very different, I understand. But we see the same kind of challenges, at least within the US, where if you have to have digital assets trading on an ATS, right? People don't want to do it because there's insufficient liquidity. So, so Bart, with all of this, what from a legal perspective, I can't even imagine, you know, from your perspective where you got started on this, but what were the most challenging aspects from a legal perspective in your mind? Josh, uh, where to start? Uh, there were many challenging uh, legal items to address, as uh, Richard and, and Michael will acknowledge. But maybe, um, f first of all, of course, uh, there are a lot of legal concepts in existing regulation which do not, not necessarily take into account the DLT context. So it was sometimes a, a challenge to, to find out how certain rules or certain concept, con concepts uh, should be applied in such a DLT context. Uh, for example, if we look at CSDR, the regulation refers uh, everywhere to securities accounts. What does that mean when you use, when you plan to use a, a token-based DLT network for, uh, for, uh, the for the issuance of digital assets? Eh? So that's only one of them, obviously. But maybe very important to mention is that the key objective of Euroclear has been from the start to provide a a uh, securities issuance service, so a service for the, the issuance of digital securities, but in, within the existing legal framework. So without uh, trying, without entering in a sandbox uh, and to get exemptions from regulators, no, we wanted to show to the market that uh, this type of service and this new technology could be used without compromising on safety and, um, and, uh, and, and so business resilience. And so that was a first challenge then to, so to, uh, to align the concepts with the, new, with the new world. But also, of course, with the DFMI, we have introduced a new holding model uh, for, for the investors and for the participants of Euroclear. Uh, while today, uh, when a traditional Eurobond is issued uh, in bare or registered form, you have a deposit with Euroclear, which is then, and then the, the global note is immobilized. And so participants have then a, a sort of co-ownership entitlement on, on a portion of the pool of securities that is deposited with Euroclear. So in that case, we have an intermediated holding model, whilst for the DFMI, we have, uh, we have created a direct holding model, which is also within the, um, within the ideology of blockchain, uh, where investors have direct uh, rights against the issuer. So in, and by combining then the DFMI world with 
with the traditional world that we combine two holding models, which is also quite innovative from a legal perspective. Then what, what else? Uh, I think we, we uh, so both from a legal and an operational point of view, it was also innovative that we uh, provided DVP settlement on-chain so that also the cash lag was settled uh, on-chain. Uh, and we managed to do that because Euroclear Bank, which is the operator of, of the DFMI, um, also settles today in commercial bank money. And so what we do on the DFMI is the same, but then in a digital form with cash tokens, uh, which are a sort of deposit tokens, in fact. Um, and so uh, maybe, maybe Richard, is there anything else you would add to that? Yeah, I, I, I think you've covered it. You've covered it really well. But the um, the headline point really is, I think the up until now, people didn't really believe that you could do this within the existing regulatory framework, and you know so much so that that um, the the EU launched the the DLT pilot regime, and similarly in the UK, an FMI sandbox has has been launched. So I think the the headline point is um, uh, navigating a number of obstacles, uh, as we like to say. Not hitting, not hitting any significant roadblocks along the way, and actually, you know, it, it was a, a, a process of discovery. I think, but it, it's fair to say. But this, this crucial point that the DFMI has been launched within the existing CSD framework, within the existing settlement finality framework, and, and you know, and under the oversight of of um, the the Belgian Central Bank. So um, that that was really the the heart of the project for us, certainly being able to deliver that for Euroclear and deliver it for the market. And indeed, combining the holding models works really well as well. So we, where possible, we've used building blocks uh, and, 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 and kept a lot of the infrastructure that's already deployed, proved and tested by Euroclear over many decades. And, and likewise, the revisions to Euroclear's rules were relatively minor to accommodate the new uh, DFMI and the digitally native notes. So it all fits in very, very neatly. Maybe something else that we, we did not mention is that, uh, of course, also for the first issuance, we, we, we needed to look at uh, the issuance documentation of, of our first issuer. And um, together with the help of, of uh, Linklater's team, we managed also to, to draft issuer guidelines, which also, in fact, uh, they, they, sh they show, or the, it's a list of provisions that should, should be put in any issuance documentation for the security, securities to be eligible on the DFMI. That was also, I think, an important piece of work. So one question, a follow-up question on this, uh, and I know we'll go into it a little bit later, but I have to imagine also that given the nature of the various jurisdictions, that conflicts of laws must have been a pretty big Pretty big consideration. Do you guys have any thoughts about that? How you started and how you were able to map this new technology to laws of different jurisdictions? Maybe I can start and then I pass on to Michael and Richard. So indeed, it was a very hard nut to crack. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, several people in the Linklater's team spend hours and hours on this. But uh, I think uh, the end result was there. We made sure that everything was legally sound. Maybe to, uh, to briefly say that uh, for the FMI, if we, for the initial issuance, we've said that we would start with the English law as the governing law of the, of the digital security. And of course, then we, so we looked in detail at English law. But of course, Belgian law is also relevant since Euroclear Bank has its head office in Belgium and uh, the Euroclear system is uh, the rules of the Euroclear system are governed by Belgian law. So indeed, uh, we had to do a thorough uh, conflict of law analysis between Belgian and English law. But maybe Richard and Michael, if you want to say something more about that. 
Yeah, thanks very much, Bart and, and Josh. And yeah, absolutely right. There was um, you know, a huge amount of analysis that went into a, a really robust conflicts of laws uh, uh, position. And exactly as Bart said, I think one of, one of the things that was, that was really interesting to us was kind of marrying up the English law terms applicable to the securities with the Belgian law provisions applicable to transfers within the, within the Euroclear system. And so the structure that, that was divide that was devised marries up those those two components and it ensures that you have absolutely robust English law position from the perspective of the, the securities, but equally from a system perspective, that the Belgian law position is is absolutely clear from from the sense of the robustness of transfers within the system. I think it's also worth mentioning that when we were designing it, we were very conscious that that the functionality of the DFMI wouldn't be limited to English law securities. And, and so to, uh, as a key design feature was to make sure that, that regardless of the governing law of the securities, the rules relating to their transfer and the legal provisions would be unchanged as the governing law changed. So that's why, again, Belgian law being the law of, the, of Euroclear, of the Euroclear's rules, was the appropriate law to determine the transfers of proprietary interests and the formation of proprietary interests in the securities, because it means you don't have the sort of legal basis risk if you change the governing law of the securities. And it, it, uh, just to um, touch on one final aspect, which it actually goes to highlight one point that we haven't raised so far, but which is absolutely crucial to the, to the DFMI, which is that it supports the international bond markets. Yeah. And so it was very much structured with, with, with that in mind and with this extensibility into other jurisdictions um, and, and the, the Euro markets. legal systems. Correct, yes. exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Stephanie... You mentioned that the DFMI is currently an MVP. In your view, is there enough functionality right now to attract participants? Yes, uh, maybe Josh, before uh, answering to your question, I want to just come back to the MVP world, which can be misleading. MVP means minimum viable product. It's a word which is very often used uh, in innovation when we are building in an iterative way and, and, and progressive way. Uh, we, we call it that way and it is a good and a bad name. It's a good name because indeed the scope is limited and, and it was a question of time to market and being able to deliver, uh, to deliver in, in a relative short amount of time. But uh, as uh, Bart and, and the team mentioned, it's uh, a new service of Euroclear. It is part of our terms and conditions, and it has been built under CSDR. So it is not at all in, in an MVP in terms of robustness, uh, service, and, and it is uh, really offer, offered to, to all the clients and, and participants of Euroclear Bank. And then we can see that uh, indeed it is uh, it is a first step. We are going to expand the expand the scope, and the first uh, first step for us will be to look into new governing laws because indeed uh, we we see the success it has received uh, by it has, it has been a great success and very well received by the markets, and so we have been contacted by many uh, different categories of issuers uh, in different countries and jurisdictions. So first step would be to see uh, how it uh, how we can extend to other governing loads and then as well uh, how we can extend to, uh, to other type of, uh, uh, of uh, issuance and structuration of issuance, uh, meaning multi-dealers or, or this kind of stuff. So we have several ideas and several steps. It's really a matter of co-creation with the early adopters and the market participants. We already have got some uh, great feedback from the different participants and issuers with whom we are discussing, so trying to provide more transparency and more features uh, progressively as, uh, as, uh, as it uh, gets tracked and it gets used by the market. 
And so I have to ask, although if you can't answer this, I totally understand, but you mentioned potential issuers from different jurisdictions have been contacting you. Are there particular jurisdictions where it seems like a critical mass of people are coming forward or, or where you think you know, the future lies or the immediate future lies, or is it really all over the board? It depends. So in my opinion, we are still in a very early stage of adoption, adoption by the market, probably at the end of a first phase of adoption where participants have experimented in silo and they are now trying to, uh, to, to collaborate and more, work more together. But still, uh, there is, uh, we don't see a massive uh, adoption at scale uh, in the coming years. But this is what we are trying to, to resolve as well with this kind of hybrid approach where we see a lot of traction, a lot of activity, actually it's across the world. You, you, I've been to Singapore very recently and we can see that in Asia it's very active. Same thing uh, when we are going to UAE, uh, a lot of activity is going there. Uh, in Europe, we have uh, uh, several things going on in Europe and, and same thing in UK, but with the, with the regulatory sandbox being now in place, uh, with uh, the, the different experimentations that are going uh, with ECB and, uh, and CBDC. So all these jurisdictions and, and participants and members of this jurisdiction are, are looking into, uh, into issuing digital bonds and, and progressing in, the, in their digital journey. I see that one relatively novel feature was that the World Bank trade issued on a T plus zero basis. Can one of you please explain how that was possible? Yeah, so I would say it's a relatively novel feature. There were lots of novel features in the in the in the launch on the World Bank's deal, but it's certainly very unusual for uh, a deal like the World Bank's one to, as we're to price, then to sign and to close all within an hour. Uh, and and um, the DFMI facilitated that because the securities were ready; they were primed within the system for immediate settlement as soon as the terms of the securities had been finalized and agreed between all the parties. So a completely new process was designed to enable the pricing to be agreed orally, then immediately to circulate it amongst all participants, but primarily, the, sorry, the dealer and, and, the, um, uh, and, and the issuer, but also that needed then to be input into Euroclear and immediately signed off electronically so that the, um, the, the terms could be finalized at the same time that they were issued and paid for. So again, it was a, it was a re-engineering of the conventional uh, closing and signing and pricing process, all in reverse order there, um, and, and allowing that to happen all within such a, a swift period of time. How much planning had to go into place to have that all aligned? Was this, I would have to imagine this was a very big, <laughs> big thing to have everything come together at once like that. It was a re-engineering of, of actually quite a few different processes. There was Euroclear's internal processes and there were, there were almost daily calls lasting hours trying to work out uh, how the process could be re-engineered to achieve this alongside uh, legal calls to make sure the documentation was in place to support that. Well, th this, this new process was, was mapped out. It was absolutely fascinating. Uh, and and um, but it, it just showed how when one looks at the redesign, the technology is there to enable the the, um, the really really swift execution uh, of 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 transactions in this way. So one of the key innovations among many are these digitally native notes (DNNs). Does that mean getting rid of the paper? 
Yes, that's correct. So um, I think it's the first time with that uh, euro bonds are issued in a, in a fully digital form, so in, in fully dematerialized form. Uh, today, uh, traditionally, so euro bonds are issued either in bearer or in registered form, and then they are immobilized within the CSD to be transferable in book entry form. Now with the DNNs, we, Im we immediately issue, issue directly on the DLT in a digital format. And in a sense, actually, it's, a, it's, a, it's not that dematerialization is completely new to, the, to, the, to the, the, the securities markets, because I think there are some examples in, in, in some other CSDs where the, 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 the securities are issued in, in, in a truly dematerialized form, but not on the distributed ledger. And so in this context, we're using the term digitally native to mean securities constituted on a, digital, on a distributed ledger that are fully dematerialized. And, and in that sense, they are on the they um, the, the 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 entry on the on the distributed ledger effectively records the ownership of the securities without any piece of paper having to be issued, and likewise the transfer of that digitally that digital representation affects the transfer of the securities, and that's what's done under Euroclear's rules, which are all governed by Belgian law. And it's it, it is it. It is remarkable how, you know, that, that sort of getting rid of the piece of paper, as it were, um, you know, is such a fundamental construct um, that, that is inherent in, in existing capital market structures and that required a fundamental rethink in order to facilitate this direct holding structure, this idea that, that direct participants within the DFMI own something that is not constituted by, you know, a piece of paper or a traditional form register. You know, fundamentally, that is one of the, the core innovations here is that process of legally stapling a bond to entries in a distributed ledger in a way that is, you know, fully robust and compliant from a, a regulatory perspective. And maybe to, to, to build on that and to elaborate, uh, uh, because we now have a DNN, which is digital and native, which, which lives in the ledger and can be transferred in the ledger, that's a first step into removing some of the inefficiencies. Uh, which can exist because you have several ledgers and then you have one golden source of truth and all participants of the network can access this uh, golden source of truth. So that's really a big step uh, in that direction. Does this tie in, Richard, with what you've been doing with the UKJT task force? Yeah, thank, thanks so much, Josh. So the, the, I mean, the short answer is, is yes. And in, in a nutshell, for those that, that aren't familiar, the UK Jurisdiction Task Force is a task force that has been established in order to address perceived legal uncertainties that might hinder the, the adoption of new technologies in, in the market, and in this case, specifically in the context of, of English law. And one of the things that the task force did was commission specifically a legal statement on digital securities given the importance of English law in the international bond markets, which is exactly what we're discussing now, in order to shore up the, the um, perception of how English law would go about supporting these, these digital bonds. So you've got some jurisdictions that have enacted statutes very clearly saying, you know, yes, you can issue digital bonds if you are an issuer in our jurisdiction or if you're adopting the governing law. Under common law systems, we tend not to, not to go down the statutory route, but prefer a principles-based approach. And that means that actually in some cases, when faced with an innovation, the market can need somebody in the market to, to actually take a positive step and, and say, yes, actually, 
English law does support these types of structures. So the UK Jurisdiction Task Force commissioned a legal statement on digital securities, as I said, that set out a number of different structures that English law can affirmatively support in terms of uh, enforceability and, and the, 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 that thinking that was, that was put into, into that legal statement um, was absolutely part of the foundations that, that support the, uh, the, the, the DNNs and the, and the DFMI that, that's been launched by Euroclear now. So we've talked a, a little bit now about the DNNs and about the process. Stephanie, would you please be able to share with us a little bit about the underlying tech? DFMI is a private and permission network. Um, it is built on a very specific technology, which is called uh, Corda. And the choice of the technology is linked as well uh, to the choices we have made on the regulatory side. Uh, because uh, the DFMI is CSDR compliance, we needed a technology which can provide uh, the level of uh, safety, uh, privacy uh, that we require in capital markets. That's the first point. And as well as uh, the ability to use a consensus which provides an immediate finality to be able to define the moment of finality in the networks, which cannot be achieved with all the kind of consensus used by different blockchain technologies. So it's a private permission network. And uh, for these reasons, uh, and also one point that I want to emphasize is the green aspect of the, of the technology that we are using and the way we have designed, uh, designed the FMI. And so the first, the consensus, which is the greenest one of the consensus with the, the proof of authority. And then the way the data are distributed among the network, which is not, uh, the data are not replicated, but distributed, which means that they are distributed to the participants of the network on a need to know basis, which is good for privacy, of course, but which is good as well in the way we uh, do not replicate or copy data if they, are, if they don't need to be replicated. So always good to keep that in mind when we are trying to build uh, the infrastructure of the future to, to, to build it in a greener way. Uh, that will be for, the, yeah, for, for our technology. That's great. And as we head into 2024, I mean, what is next? Stephanie, where do you see DFMI going in, in the next year? How is it going to evolve? For next year, first, we, we want to continue to work with our, with our participants and, and with the market on the next step of DFMI. We got a, a lot of market traction after the first uh, issuance. It has started before and accelerated uh, in the past weeks. So we will continue uh, to work with them and, 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 and capitalize on this good work to continue to, to issue digital native notes in 2024 and build uh, with the market the next step. We are really in a mode of co-creation uh, trying to not go too fast, but go with the market uh, and, and with the market readiness. So uh, in 2024, of course, uh, more issuance, uh, more, more developments uh, to support more governing laws, uh, to support new features that, we, that our issuers will require to, to move forward in their digital journey with us. And then another topic that, uh, that we can discuss and which is very high in the, in the agenda uh, of the market in general is interoperability. Uh, you, you may have heard of it. It, it, there is a big shift, and, and I mentioned it earlier, so we, had a, we are at the end of the first experimentation period uh, in silo and moving into more collaboration and, and moving away from a, a disintermediation pitch into an investor-rich pitch. And in that sense, interoperability is a key topic to help adoption 
to help the market grow and adopt uh, digital asset securities. So we have already participated in some uh, PLC with other market participants and uh, in this year and working uh, working with uh, with all our participants and early adopters uh, on, on this particular topic. So more to come in, in 2024 as well on this. And the proof of concepts around um, interoperability, I guess, is that where you see the next features? Like, would you consider that the, a feature that the market's looking for next, or is that just an overarching theme? And, and if it is an overarching theme and the features would be something different, are there any specific features that you think people are looking to see next? Uh, I think interoperability is really uh, a feature that market is, is looking for. Uh, we can see, you know, you can see all these tokenization islands in the in the market, uh, where it, uh, digital asset securities are issued and then stay here, there till the till the redemption. Uh, so we need to, to see how we can move past that and, and bring liquidity. And there are different topics and different uh, nice initiatives which are, which are announced around the interoperability. So interoperability is definitely a key topic, and interoperability is not only interoperability with other DLT network, but interoperability with traditional systems. And again, back to the way the FMI has been designed uh, with DLT networks interoperable with our traditional system for legacy, for collateral, uh, for three particular for ECB eligibility. The ability to have this, uh, this interoperability between systems is a key feature uh, for, that will drive market adoption. That's great. And so this is for everyone. Um, Really, you know, for a long time, we've been talking, everyone's been talking, it seems, at least in the, in the digital assets space and, and the financial markets, about um, DLT breaking into the mainstream, block, blockchain becoming mainstream, and, and driving change in financial markets. We've seen a lot of moves of, of what many people call TradFi into, say, digital assets and crypto, but in terms of the actual digitalization of the traditional financial markets, um, we've seen a lot in the media. Some of it's been very upbeat. Some of it's been relatively negative. What do you think? I guess maybe I'll, I can go around to each of you. Does anyone want to go first? Well, maybe, maybe I can. I, I think so typically uh, people talk about the, the, the distinction between TreadFi um, uh, TradFi, DeFi, yeah? uh, but I think there's something in between, and this is probably where the, where the capital markets are going. You, you could call it DistriFi, a distributed finance. So there is not a complete decentralization because the the existing intermediaries they they will play their role, and maybe they will they will take up other roles. But uh, the reason why they are there is because they add value to their clients, and so that's why. Uh, I'm sure uh, each of those will transform and will make sure they have a role to play and that adds value. But that the technology could unlock a lot of benefits, could, uh, could create more efficiency in the operations. And that's why the, the technology will be adopted in the end. And that's also how we think about it in Euroclear. Yeah, and to, to, to fully agree then, Bart, and, and to add uh, on that, build on that, uh, the, the question we need to, to go back to the, the, the values that we want to unlock by uh, using this technology, not just talking about uh, what we uh, what we are building, but why we are building it, what kind of uh, value we want to unlock, and how we can unlock it to bring more benefits uh, to to the market uh, and to the participants, remove some inefficiencies, so we can see that with a, 
uh, data reconciliation, data distribution, uh, decrease the settlement cycle. There are a lot of things where we can bring value thanks to the use of a digital asset and, and, uh, and DLT, but going back to the really why we are doing that and how we can unlock more value for the market. And an important one, Stefanie, is also the transparency for the issuer. I think that's yeah. one of the main reasons why issuers are, are maybe more pushing for uh, transformation to, to DLT is because they, they see clear benefits. Uh, so that's also why we, we believe that that's why the issuers are lined up now for an issuance on the FMI, because it can bring them more, more, more efficiency because you can, you can uh, shorten the settlement cycle, but you could also provide more uh, investor transparency to them. Yeah, I, I think, um, Josh, the, the, there has definitely been a narrative, right, in the industry that opposes sort of blockchain and DLT on the one hand and kind of mainstream finance on the other. And, and you know, as with, as with many things, actually the reality is far more nuanced. And it's not, it's not the case of simply, you know, DLT goes from outside the world of finance and then crosses this Rubicon and all of a sudden it's, it's it, you know, sort of glory days for, for DLT. Actually implementing these systems is, is you know, it's really complex and, and uh, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of stakeholders that that are, lost, uh, that are very used to existing structures in the capital markets, and actually the, there's a case for you know, winning them over and making the case that actually there there are improvements to be here to be to be to be to be won here, and and some of the 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 use cases and some of the improvements that we've seen Euroclear discussed today around T plus zero greatest transparency the points that that Barton and Stephanie have have just made are are, are really well made. I think the, the, my observation is the technology in this case is really a catalyst for the delivery of fundamental functionalities that, that will benefit the markets as a whole. And I think when we, you know, as the market has now started to mature and realize that actually this is a, you know, this is a medium to longer term phenomenon, we have to get a lot of stakeholders up to speed with the underlying legal uh, structures with the technological structures. There's a lot of organizational uh, aspects to be dealt with. You know, who holds private keys? Uh, you know, is there uh, is there a model for for distribution, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Actually, there's a really human element to that as well, which is just people need to understand and they need to be comfortable with it, and that that takes time. And so I think um, I think you know, observations are I think it's not a big bang. It is, a, it is a case of actually winning the market over, but also some real functionality benefits here and, and focusing on those, as, as Stefan, Stephanie and Bart say, are, that's really you know, ultimately what the market is going to gravitate towards. But I think the promise of, sort of crypto and DeFi has been the disintermediation of, of sort of parties you have to trust and, and replacement with the technology that you trust. And what we've seen, of course, is that... that you can't simply lose the actors and, and be presented in a position where you, you have the same or, or decrease risk. We have seen with, the, with the, the lack of separation of functions, increased risk and some catastrophic failures. And, and, and actually what we're now seeing is the technology is being used for a number of the purposes in the traditional setting without disintermediation of, of key market players but actually core infrastructures adopting the technology to bring different forms of promises and efficiencies to the market that actually in the end reduce risk, reduce duplication, increase automation and, and make things more streamlined for, for participants. But 
One of the challenges we know with this is new technology is costly to implement. And, and so that, that we've always got this, this tension between efficiencies tomorrow versus, and versus investment today to achieve those efficiencies later down the line. But we're on that journey. And I think the DFMI is a really, really great example of, of the starting that journey towards all of these efficiencies and gains that the technology can produce. So I would only add to that, actually, one of the, one of the most powerful um, points that has come out of the, 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 the launch of the DFMI is a very subtle shift, I think, in the, in the role that intermediaries can play. And, and this is seen in the, the change that we've, that we've discussed, uh, we've been discussing in, from a move from an, an indirect or in, intermediated holding structure to a direct holding structure. And actually, this disaggregation of functions that are, you know, have historically been provided by intermediaries, including legal intermediation, actually, the adoption of the technology as a catalyst can cause a rethink of those different roles and a real focusing in on the core functions that an entity like Euroclear can bring. You know, resilience, oversight, oversight of the technology, a regulatory framework, um, uh, liquidity, all of the benefits that, that an entity that settles the global GDP every month can bring with resilience, but also you know, a rethink around do we need Euroclear to be in the legal chain of ownership, or, or actually can we think about things slightly differently and, and adopt an innovative structure, not just from a technology perspective, but also a legal one. So this has all been fascinating, and it makes me excited for what we're gonna see in the coming year. I, I think I have to thank you guys all so much. Stephanie Lerreux, Bart Garay, Michael Voisin, Richard Hay, you guys have all been brilliant, wonderful. And um, as we discuss the future of financial markets infrastructure, I feel like the world is in good hands. <laughs>